Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 49, titled God's Chosen Servant. Today we will cover a few different topics. Three of them to mention will be more conspiracy against Christ, more healing that Christ performs, and some additional prophecy about Christ. So let's go ahead and dive into today's scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, verse 14 through 21 says, But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them, and he ordered all of them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Behold, my servant whom I have, whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Every time I read about the Pharisees conspiring against Christ, it blows me away because there is so much Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. You know, the Pharisees were supposed to be masters of the Old Testament law and subject matter experts regarding the Old Testament, yet they couldn't accept the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and they continued to conspire against him. And to me, it's just, it's so hard to fathom that you could have the Messiah sitting right in front of you, and you could be a master of the Old Testament and just not see it. It's just very interesting to me. Another thing that kind of stood out to me in these verses was the fact that Jesus instructed his followers not to reveal him and all of the healing works that he was doing. To me, this is probably because Jesus knew the timing of everything and he knew what needed to be accomplished. And there are many instances of this in the New Testament, even though many times the followers didn't yield to his request. You can read through the Gospels and, and see, even though Jesus told them not to do something, they did it anyways. And... And honestly, this issue reminds me of Luke chapter 6, verse 46, where Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? You know, perhaps if, of course, God is sovereign and in control of everything, but perhaps if all of his followers would do exactly as he asked regarding even simple things as to be quiet and don't say anything yet, perhaps things that would unfold it a little bit different. But the outcome, we knew the final outcome of the death and resurrection was going to happen either way. And it's hard to tell why people didn't just stay quiet and allow Jesus Christ to reveal himself as he saw fit. Perhaps they were just so zealous, they were filled with zeal for Christ that they couldn't contain it. You know, we can only speculate, honestly. Even though this chapter and set of verses in Matthew is still focused on the ministry of Christ first offered to the Jews, as Paul would tell us, it's awesome to see the foreshadowing of the Gentiles being brought into the fold. And we'll see, if you want to go read for yourself, you can see Christ ordering the discipleship being offered to the Gentiles when he commands the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. There's one part of the prophecy today that I want to focus on and draw more attention to. The part is verse 20, where scripture says, a bruised reed he will not break. Now, before I elaborate, I want to give some early church father commentaries some credit, of course, because they were the first subject matter experts regarding the writings of the New Testament. So, the following information was taken from St. Jerome's commentary. He was an early church priest, a theologian, and a historian who translated the original Bible into Latin so Western Europe would be able to read the scriptures. And this is what he said about verse 20. The one who does not stretch out a hand to a sinner, 
and does not carry a brother's load, breaks the crushed reed, or the bruised reed. And the one who despises the small spark of faith in children extinguishes the smoking wick. Christ did neither of these. He came for this purpose, excuse me, he came for this purpose, to save those who were perishing. You know, it's vital for us to see the world through the lens of Christ. It's vital. And it's it's kind of like you hear people say, Lord, give me your eyes. This would be one of those situations. And St. Jerome is exactly correct. We must carry each other's burdens. And Paul commands us to do so as to fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6.2, by the way. That carrying each other's burdens is to fulfill the law of Christ. Being a Christian is primarily about denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following Christ. And the difficult thing is that our cross may come in many, many forms. It could be the burden of others. It could be scars from our own sin. It could be the scars from sins against us. It could be temptation, weakness, trauma, pain, hurt, suffering. And there's many, many more possibilities. But if we love Christ and love each other, we must assist one another in carrying each other's crosses. We have to help each other with these burdens. This example is given even with Christ himself. Jesus needed help with his own cross, and it was Simon of Cyrene, or Cyrene, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, who helped Jesus when Jesus was getting too weak to carry his actual cross to his crucifixion. And there's a very deep lesson in here for all of us. No matter what we are going through, we must have love, grace, and mercy in our hearts to bear the burdens of others to honor Christ. This life is easy for some, but it's absolutely brutal for others. So do not be weary from the challenges of life. Rather, we should be thankful. Because it is, in fact, the suffering that brings us close to Christ. And we're told this by James. The epistle of James, and for those of you who don't know, he was the first bishop of the first church. And that was the church of Jerusalem. And he says, I quote, Count it all to joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. If you want to go read that yourself, that's where it's from. We need these challenges and trials in our life so our hearts may become tender to the suffering of others, just like our Lord's was. But this also helps with spiritual competency, so it helps us grow. Some people who experience a lot of suffering can become embittered in Sometimes it's struggles that cause people to become embittered. And that's where the love of others to help carry those burdens come into play. When a person sees another with a desire to carry a load for them, especially if that load feels like it's breaking them, it, it relieves them. It's the love and the grace and the gesture that relieves them. And of course, we must be impelled by the Holy Spirit to take action and carry that burden with him. We have to understand that is the part of the law of Christ, right? And ultimately, these are the weightier matters of the law, which are grace, mercy, and love. The Greek language, this is, you know, the Bible was originally written in Greek in the New Testament and originally written in Hebrew in the Old Testament. So if you want to fully understand the New Testament, you've got to get in the Greek. And the Greek language captures these ideas perfect, which is in fact the way of Christ. And there's two words that you can know regarding the weightier matters of the law, which is the spirit of the law, and the letter of the law, which is, we'll get into that word here briefly. You have to distinguish between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is, is 
if you kind of look through that, look for that trend throughout the Gospels, and you'll see Jesus having that argument with the Pharisees, where he's basically saying, you've missed the spirit of the law by trying to conform to the letter of the law, right? And again, the Greek language captures these ideas perfect. In short, the Greek economia, which is the spirit of the law, is the discretionary deviation from the letter of the law, and it's temporary, and much discretion by spiritual leadership in order to adhere to the spirit of the law and charity. This is in contrast to what's called legalism or the Greek acrobia, which is strict adherence to the letter of the law of the church. And you see this, you see people with this issue, acrobia, with a lot of the the dogmatic side of things, right? So when we're when we're creating strict adherence to the letter of the law through our interpretation of scripture and it becomes legalistic it can become a yoke too difficult to bear in some sense and this economia you'll see demonstrated with Christ and the adulterous woman and that's John chapter 8 verse 1 through 11 by the way so by the letter of the law that lady would have been stoned, but by the spirit of the law, economia, he offered her grace, forgiveness, and mercy to prevent her from sitting more in the future. So the idea with economia is to reduce net sin across time. That's basically it. And it's it it can't be just a common person saying, like, oh, I'm gonna deviate from this. Like we really have to have shepherds to help us with economia. But we should also show economia to one another. And it's basically the spirit of grace, mercy, and love. That's, ba- that's, that's kind of a good summary of economia. And acrobia is like zero deviation from the letter of the law under any, any circumstances, period. Now, I do have to say, Christ does say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he also tells us to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. So the standard's perfection. But economia is a long-term strategy to get you to perfection. That's the idea. So it's it's temporary grace, grace to bring about long-term obedience and to help you with your cross in some sense. And that's part of the, the, the law of Christ, is to help each other with these burdens, help reduce the burdens for each other and the sufferings in some sense. So the lesson, the big takeaway there is we should carry the burdens of our fellow bruised reeds. This is not just inside the church. This is outside the church as well. Jesus Christ mitigated suffering inside and outside of the church as to fulfill the law of Christ and to live out the spirit of the law, which is which is exactly what we should be doing. We should be having economia in our hearts and because we don't want to break the bruised reed through the letter of the law, acrobia. And our attitude really should be throughout the day is... Lord Jesus, have mercy on all of us. We are sinners and we are in need of your grace. And we've got we've to fight every day. We've got to fight every day to be repentant and to work towards the kingdom of heaven and to do the best we possibly can. And we've got to rely on our spiritual leaders to help us through this process. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.